the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Good day. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking about investing in your future, getting into retirement, kicking, dragging, screaming. Ultimately, however, we need to do it. I think that's the right idea. Yesterday was a gravity day where things came back down to earth. Today is a anti-gravity, non-gravity, reverse gravity. I don't even know what you would say. The law of physics doesn't seem to really be applying to the stock markets. This weekend, billionaire Branson is set to fly into space aboard the Virgin Galactic rocket. Yeah. Hope it goes well. Affleck's duck ads are considered wildly popular within the advertising community. I bring that up because a lot of what we do as investors ties back into the companies that we invest in. And marketing and advertising is a big operation. Stocks are rising to recover some of the losses as investors are shaking off concerns. Fascinating how we, the law of physics just don't apply. It's the, it's the buy on dip market. There's been a reversal in treasury yields. Treasury yields, um, gosh, yesterday, if I were to be honest with you, I did not tune into CNBC, but I saw some headlines come out of CNBC. And not the most flattering on where the 10-year treasury is going to ultimately go. Some people believe we go back down to less than 1%, which to me would heavily imply a really rough economy with a lot of debt supporting a really rough economy and not necessarily an economy standing on its own. Crude oil is higher today, bullish, growthy. 10-year treasury bond sits at 1.34%. Up fractions, but still up. Bitcoin up. So yesterday, in a world where nothing worked, flip the script. Everything's kind of working today. You might be quick to say it's just buy on the dip, or maybe it's maybe we pick up the selling of weakness on Monday. Pfizer announced that it's working on a booster shot to target the Delta variant. Yet the CDC and FDA have said fully vaccinated Americans don't need a booster shot at this time. Stamps.com is getting a major booster shot this morning of their own. They're going to be acquired by Toma Bravo for $6.6 billion. That's a 66% premium to yesterday's close. Wow. 
That's a nice way to wake up, no? People's Bank of China is looking to provide a booster shot. Booster shot seems to be the phrase that pays today, no? For the Chinese economy, China's markets closed today, but the People's Bank of China, PBOC, said it's cutting the required reserve ratio for all banks by 50 basis points. Trying to spruce their economies a bit. Um, next week, we start earnings season, which is feels kind of soon. I'd like another day or two off if I could, but it feels kind of soon. Um, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and PepsiCo all report numbers next week. Earnings season should be fantastic in 2021 because last year things were so miserable at this time of the year. Last year at this time, we were wondering how are we going to wipe our butts because grocery stores were out of toilet paper. What a year can do to change everything. General Motors is recalling 400,000 pickup trucks over risk of an airbag exploding. That's in their insurance. I think that's the lesson that I want to throw down for you. Is a lot of us do water cooler talk. And part of the water cooler talk is sometimes to speculate. Oh, I bet that recall is going to ruin them. It never does. Costco is keeping the momentum up with another month of strong momentum. Costco is a fascinating company. There's people that are dead that have Costco memberships. And they report it because they legally have to. Why not just cut it off? But no, I don't quite get it. There's some unfavorable year-over-year comparisons, supply chain and logistics issues for Costco. Last year at this time, we were panicking, buying everything we could, taking everything off their shelves. And their shelves are big and massive, right? Then this year, we had logistics due to the Suez Canal getting blocked. What a nightmare the logistics have been in the United States and the world with semiconductors, with furniture. So Costco has to deal with all that. They said that, you know, some consumers who were previously apprehensive about shopping online, they've made it more of their shopping routine, which suggests some ongoing digital momentum. I think it's fair to say, and this might cause me a little bit of trouble, that the typical average Costco member probably does not resemble the typical average Amazon member as far as tech savviness goes. But Costco is saying that's changing. So Costco is a pretty resilient company. It's a company I would have no problem if you were to say I want to put it in my portfolio. I wouldn't have any problem. I'd even look at it and, and go, that's an interesting pick. Probably not as good as Amazon or Walmart through the years, but probably a pretty interesting pick. Good pick. Isn't it great that you should invest in things like Costco? <laughs> I have a friend who used to go to Costco every weekend for the samples. And he made it like a trip to Disneyland for his kids. And you'd go, hey, kids, we're going to Costco this week. And the kids are like, woo! And he would say something like, what do we like at Costco? And the kids would say in unison, 
Samples. Shanghai Disney, speaking of going to Disney, the resort will adjust its pricing rate for admission to Shanghai Disneyland. The new definition rate for the four-tiered pricing structure, regular, regular, plus, peak, and peak plus. Isn't this fascinating? We have no problem with Disney as a monopoly, as a mean company, as a company who's abusive to their pricing. Regular price of admission to Shanghai Disneyland covers most weekdays and select weekends. Regular plus is price of admission will cover selected weekends and selected weekdays. Peak plus, let's just jump to the, the good part. It's covering selected Chinese statutory holiday periods, park special event days, and selected days in the summer. And it's going for premium pricing. Something tells me we're going to see Disneyland, Disney World, Disney Shanghai increase prices slowly every year until the day I die. And then after I'm dead, if I were to come back in a seance and talk to Madame Lustaka, I'd say, Madame, Madame Lustaka, I've, I've met Rob over there. I'd go, Disney raised prices this year? She goes, why, yes. Yes, they did. That's good for business. That's good for the stock. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Stocks yesterday fell from record highs as investors muttered. Maybe this whole COVID thing ain't over yet. And when you start to talk about a resurgence in the virus, you start talking about problems with airlines, cruises, and hotels. And you start thinking, do I really want to hold these stocks? It was, it was fun for a while, but now that we're starting to talk about the Delta variant... And there's clear evidence at this point in time. Those who have not been vaccinated are the ones who are getting sick and dying. There's clear evidence. Those that states that have low vaccination rates are the ones struggling. The number of people who have been out of work for more than a year increased by 248,000 last month to 2.9 million. Reflecting the long-term pain the pandemic has inflicted on the labor market. That's a big story right now. The labor shortage in America. Statistic that I ran across yesterday is that 50% of restaurant owners weren't able to pay rent in month um, in May. They weren't able to pay May's rent. That's a lot. More than I would have thought, right? Just on the surface of things, you're like, hey, people are back. But my favorite eatery still is closed on Monday and Tuesdays and Wednesdays for lunch. Tell you that they're having problems getting staffing. Low interest rate environment, the digital transformation, both spurred by the pandemic and more private equity, hedge fund participation, startup investing, and you're seeing a lot of companies ask for money, get money, and go public. How much so? Startups globally raised about $156 billion last quarter. An army of unicorns, 136 new startups achieved billion-dollar valuations last quarter alone. These are companies that are young, developing, and they're worth a billion. And when you start thinking about that, that's, the landscape is changing pretty rapidly. And there's a lot of assumptions that we need more billion-dollar companies, a lot more. 
the number that was impressive in 2020 was that we created 128 total billion dollar companies that aren't earning money. Unicorns. Or they're in, they appear to be in the business of losing billions. Now, what's interesting about that is I said 128 total for 2020. Last quarter, we did 136 here in the United States alone. Year over year, the number of unicorns has grown about 491%. And I'll, I'll throw it down again. My idea of a unicorn is spending money on cocktails with money that we don't even have to make ourselves. It feels like a stimulus check for the business-minded. It doesn't end well when you see 491% surge in companies that don't necessarily have to be terribly responsible. It's pretty interesting. Uh, I was going through some of those Trump tech titan talks last year. And uh, or I guess just a few years back. Let me correct that. And there was a picture of Sheryl Sandberg sitting next to Larry Page, sitting next to Mark Zuckerberg. And I've known Larry Page for 20 plus years now. And it struck me as like, I knew Larry when he was a young man. And I go, wait, wait, that must be I was a young man. I knew Larry when he didn't have gray hair. I mean, he's all gray now. Um, and that kind of freaked me out to take a look back at that. Time marches on. In finan oh, uh, in financial tech, one dollar out of every five dollars raised globally last quarter went to a fintech industry for a total of thirty-three point seven billion, with Stripe and Klarna um, as two of the most valuable unicorns in the world. Are we at a point where we're a little bit too saturated? My um, my radio producer this morning said that he had to open up a PayPal account. Or he had to refigure out his password or something along those lines. I'm like, ah, PayPal. Good old PayPal. Elon Musk darling. That was his first big company um, that he sold out of and got the capital to start Tesla. Did you know that? But anyway, uh, what I'm getting at is uh, it, was, it was almost refreshing to hear someone talk about PayPal. Because like Stripe and Klarna and Venmo and you're like, oh, there's too many players. And I do this for a living. So I know about 50 fintech companies that I'm eyeballing on a regular basis. Silicon Valley is the next Silicon Valley. So says the Silicon Valley. In the world of venture capital funding, funding for these unicorns jumped 93% from quarter two, 2020, year over year, which gave Silicon Valley its second consecutive 20 billion plus quarter. So a lot of money's coming in the area. It's still by far the richest tech hub in the world. The New York-based crossover fund called Tiger Global invests in both private and public companies. They're closing over four deals a week on average. It's crazy, the momentum in unicorns. It tells you it probably ends badly. Does the world need – and again, a unicorn company could be, oh, we're going to sell razor blades directly to you. We're going to cut Gillette out and we're going to come up with a business model where we're going to give free razor blades to children in Africa so they can shave. I know you're saying, are you making fun of children in Africa food campaigns? I kind of was and it feels bad saying it. But 
that's all you have to do right now to get a billion dollars. You have to have come up with an idea like Rob needs razors. Oh, and by the way, we're going to give razors away. Warby Parker is, is fantastic. The eyeball industry, the eyeglasses industry is a racket. If you've ever paid for glasses, you're like, wait, 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 this little thing costs that much money. I once bought, and I'm embarrassed to say this, glasses that were made out of like animal product, like animal horn, tusk or something. And I did it because the sales lady was cute and I was flirting. I really wanted a pair that cost $200. I walked out with a pair that cost $800. Pair of glasses? It's funny because years later I found them and I'm like, I should give these to a small child in Africa. <laughs> too many companies come in public. Too many companies with billion-dollar valuations. Too many companies where you and the, the founder sit around this weekend drinking free booze because you got a billion dollars in the bank and why not? So that's out there. Is that concerning to you? Probably not as much as the 10-year Treasury note, which serves as a benchmark for interest rates across the U.S. economy. Yesterday, falling for eight straight days in a row, telling us, well, what's going on here? Because the market was hitting record highs eight straight days in a row, seven days out of the eight. That's two things go two very different directions. So we reset today. I'll take a look. We'll get brushed up on this. I have more content for you. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. I'm Rob Black. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. One of the super hot stocks this week falls into the category of a meme stock. And I'm going to bring it up for you. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to give you my opinion. And I think we'll all move on and live happily ever after. So the one that, that popped up this week is a company called Newegg. And most of you are probably familiar with it on some level. Some of you might not be. Uh, Newegg is in the business of selling computer gear online so if i were to build a computer which is something i love doing since my childhood uh getting the cpu getting the cpu paste getting the heat sink trying to get the heat sink to fit on the freaking frag and uh you get the idea right so you get all the parts and a good website to do it is is new egg they're they're fairly competitive so and they have selection that's kind of geared towards a fries and uh, what I'm saying, a selection that's kind of geared towards fries. When I came to the Bay Area 25 years ago, people were like, oh, you got to go to fries. You got to go to fries. It's the coolest store in all the Bay Area. You can go get computer gear there. I'm like, okay, come here and get it. I went into a couple of fries, and the fry stores were pretty unique in the sense that some of them were designed like pyramids, and some of them were designed like spaceships. And um, So you had the. Egyptian feel with sarcophaguses, sarcophagi, sarcophagus, sar- multiple sarcophagus. I don't even know how to say it. Point being is, it was this big freaking warehouse. And as you walk around this big freaking warehouse, you're like, man, I could live in the closet in this building and live like a king compared to where I'm living right now in Corte Madera or San Francisco. 
And you looked at the real estate and you're, it was obnoxious, like how big these big stores are. Now, again, a lot of the world, a lot of the country, a lot of the world doesn't have what I have. I've lived outside the Bay Area and I've lived inside the Bay Area. And inside the Bay Area, you see a big amount of retail space and you go, I wonder how they're paying rent. You know, I earlier talked about how 50% of restaurants didn't pay rent in the month of May. Well, when you go buy a Best Buy and you see it's massively big, you go, that costs a lot of money. Some body owns that shopping mall. Some business, some body, some person, some family, some inheritance, some somebody, right? And you're like, I bet they, they've got kids who are living on a trust because they own that shopping mall. There's some truth to that sometimes. Then the pandemic hits if you want to own a shopping mall, but that's a different story. But new egg, I don't get. And I never really got fries either. Um, a friend of mine was really good with the son of the fries guy. So I'm going to make up his name because I don't have it right now. Um, Randy Fry. His son, Junior. Um, would take the family plane to Mexico all the time. And he took my friend. Oh, it was, John Fry was his name. Oh, wait, wait, the founder was Randy Fry. How good of a pool was that? Holy mackerel. And his son is John, John Jr. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so Fry's Electronics is this big story. If, if they were publicly traded, they're not. But if they were, it could be a SPAC company. Because Newegg is kind of the same thing where you can get a lot of computer gear and a soda. Or you can get a lot of, like, it's kind of just a weird story. It's just too big. So when I saw Newegg turn into the meme stock of the week, where on Reddit, they're like, this stock's going to go to the moon. This stock is going to change the world. I'm like, oh, I have no interest. But that's because I get caught up in the details of fundamentals. I'm not right. I, I've just found what works for me. And I, I truly believe that if you can find a meme stock and you can get in and get out and you feel comfortable that you're better than the average person at doing that, good for you. But I can tell you that I used to have a, a producer and he was a big, big old piece of poop in my mind. Just not a, a great human being, not going anywhere. And again, that's just me being judgy. Plays video games all day, overweight, not interested, never in getting married, living off his mother's inheritance. I didn't like the guy. And he could buy a stock like a new egg and walk around with a great amount of confidence. And I'm like, can you even spell that company <laughs> kind of thing? And it pisses me off a little bit, but then I let it go because if it works for him, it works for him, right? It's not for me to judge. But with that said, I think when push comes to shove, I'm going to have more money than him. And when push comes to shove, I think I'm going to keep more money than him. And when push comes to shove, he's going to probably pay higher taxes on very minimal earnings or no earnings. I don't play that game. I play a different game. But Newegg to me, I was like, eh. I know they're publicly traded. And I've actually used the site before. I could attest it's, it's, it's legit. They're the kind of company that would probably take like Bitcoin 20 years before anyone else takes Bitcoin. And you're like, why are they taking Bitcoin? That's kind of weird. And next thing you know, they're a, a meme stock. Maybe because they took Bitcoin. But I look at the fries and I go, okay, you can wrongly make some bad assessments. Like they've gone out of business essentially, right? They've liquidated their stores. They're shutting down their stores. They're 
uh, breaking their leases, their everything must go kind of, uh-oh, I wonder who the next tenant's going to be there. And it's typically going to be a Best Buy or a Target because it kind of fits in the same kind of mold of big store. Of which if you go into a Best Buy now, you still go, dang, this is a big store. What's interesting about Best Buy is they've put little stores inside of the stores. So Magnolia sponsors the TV section. Apple's got uh, Apple products and they're – the tech nerds or the geeks at Best Buy can fix Apple products and they've got, you know, Apple displays and they got Samsung displays. And you look at the inventory and that's where Fry's really had a problem on my mind is because you'd go down an aisle and you'd be like, huh, they've got Masters of the Universe action figures. How does that go with a CPU and a video board two, two rows down? It doesn't make sense. And then they'd have like a a 20-pound bag of Swedish fish, and you're like, huh, don't quite get this inventory. Now, Best Buy is a little bit, you kind of get it. They've got the Peloton competitor, um, so you could try it before you buy it. Some things I like, some things I don't. But I don't own any Best Buy because I still have that problem with it's a lot of real estate. Do I like the company? Yes, because I think they're getting digital better. I love when I need a keyboard or a mouse or whatever I need from Best Buy. I love just dropping by and they bring it right to my car, which is an interesting dilemma. As we were studying restaurants yesterday, I don't know if you picked up on this, but when you start talking about the restaurants and their rankings for uh, customer satisfaction, and McDonald's comes in very low, but for the app, McDonald's comes in very high. And the ability to have food brought out to your car is now every restaurant needs to do that, not just McDonald's, every restaurant. And the ability to pick up your food and have it in a container that you like, every restaurant must get the to-go containers um, brought up to speed. It's pretty interesting because I have a friend who was in the business of to-go containers and receipt paper. And I'm like, man, the world's been tough to you. Because like styrofoam, he would make a ton of money on it and California banned styrofoam. But that slack is picked up with now better paper products to handle the food reheating or keeping it warm until it's delivered to your home. I suppose, and I don't know this to be true, Styrofoam is an amazing food packaging because it keeps the everything moist and, and warm. So, but it's banned. So, anyhow, anyway, little industries that changed. Restaurants and retail now. What they got right during the pandemic, they need to keep doing because people want it. I don't think I ever want to go into a Best Buy again. I just like having them bring stuff out to my door. Um, and we're all going to be different is ultimately where we're going to go out with this. But it is interesting to note. PC sales are booming. And as I'm talking about restaurants and retail needing to do exactly what they did during the pandemic for customer satisfaction... I'm starting to think, are we at peak PC? Last year, we were not disappointed, but we were told, your kids aren't going to school. It's too dangerous. So I painted my kids' rooms. I got them new PCs. I got more entertainment, more speed for their PC. Like I, I really upped their game. And now I'm like, I have no interest in buying a laptop or a PC this year. None. Kind of got it. Been there, done it. So I feel I've peaked out. 
PC sales are booming, and despite the industry's cyclical past, Wall Street and major PC makers believe strong computer demand will last for a long time. There will be a move back to the office that we're seeing now that's going to benefit companies like Dell, who are PC office companies. So Dell did well with people getting PCs in their home. Dell will do well with people going back to work and the game being upped. And when you hear things like the Pentagon spending billions on the Jedi project, it's about getting new computers. It's about getting computers that work with the um, hosting capabilities of cloud computing applications. PC demand soared. PC demand has soared as the public built out of work from home offices, right? PC shipments grew by 55% in the first quarter of 2021 compared to 26% in the fourth quarter of 2020. So it feels like we're getting a little stretched there. It does tie back to Fry's and it does tie back to Best Buy's and it does tie back to Newegg. But that's all I got for you. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. It's hard to compete on a day-by-day basis with all the knowledge bases that are out there. I want you to pick up your own and make it your own. I'm not a Buddha. I'm not a guru. I can share a lot of the things that I've learned. I'm considered wealthy. I have enough money that I can quit my job and live till the day I die. That's my definition of wealth. Your definition of wealth may be family. Your definition of wealth may be more money than mine. Your definition of wealth may be simpler than mine. You just want the love of a good woman. So you're going to have to figure some of this out on your own. But 4th of July, um, one of the things I found fascinating last weekend was the red, white, and blue clothing. It's everywhere. And I was in Marin and then I was on the peninsula back and forth last weekend. And I I found like some cities really take it to the next level. And it, it made me snicker because I'm not that guy. I wear the same cut of diesel jeans for the last 20 years. Just not like I don't need the red, white, and blues. I don't need distressed. I don't need shredded. I don't need patches. I just I need a, a uniform. But Old Navy opened its first store in Northern California. It stocked the shelves with low-priced T-shirts. And a lot of them were things like the American flag. Took a few years for the company to figure out that people were buying the shirts for their families and scheduling family photos around them. Get the whole family together on 4th of July. Take a big picture with everyone wearing a 4th of July shirt. And Old Navy's business model shot up like a Roman candle. When they figured out that cheap T-shirts was a business model, it kind of clicked for them. They became the first clothing company to reach a billion dollars in sales in its first four years of business. Old Navy was once a massive success story. I bring it up in large part because you see things like H&M and our memories don't go back and think of Old Navy as cutting edge. 
but they were pretty cutting edge. In 2019, Old Navy owner Gap made a plan to spin it off, but it scrapped that in January of 2020 following a few months of struggling sales at Old Navy and the departure of Gap CEO Art Peck. Um, I bring that – I don't know why I brought Old Navy up. I think there's something there as far as our memories um, and CEOs and how important they are to the success or failure of a business. And success or failure starts at the top. Um, what type of leader do you want? And that brings up like lots of questions up until recently. Bill Gates was the type of leader who we respected and well, no, 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 no. Initially we didn't respect him at all. He was the Mark Zuckerberg before Mark Zuckerberg, a tech millionaire turned billionaire who essentially stole his way, all the business ideas. Um, not that impressive. When you look back at what Microsoft did, yes, they had an operating system that was very nouveau, but I think it was copying other people's features that kept them relevant. Novell used to have a, a DOS program that competed with Windows. Novell could have done it, but Bill Gates was just better at stealing ideas. So success or failure starts at the top. And Gap is a company that we should look back on and, and do a little history visit on. Gap was once very cutting edge. You look at Gap and Old Navy today and go, not so much. Art Peck was unexpectedly stepping down from the company. We learned that earlier this year. That tells you that there's an uncertain future for the retailer, right? You should learn this lesson as like, what if Zuckerberg steps down? Do we have confidence in Sheryl Sandberg? What if Bill Gates steps down? Do we have confidence in Steve Ballmer? Ballmer just became a billionaire. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, worth $100 billion. Oh, no, 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 no. Now I'm, now I'm messing up his statistic. Ballmer just crossed some platform. Um, so executive shakeups and the handoff is important. And I keep going back to Gap on this story. Gap had average fashion. And they had Old Navy, which was cheap, fast fashion. And they had Banana Republic, which was a little bit more upscale fashion. For decades, all of the 80s and 90s, Gap was one of the most beloved retailers in the United States. If you needed a pair of jeans, you'd go to Gap this weekend. It had laid back classics. It had iconic denim. It was a go-to destination for effortless shopping for me on picking up jeans and a t-shirt that I felt I could get out of with maybe a $40 price instead of like a $90 price. And once I went with the $90 jeans, I've never gone back, right? Gap had some vibrant marketing campaigns. Think back to some of the marketing campaigns you've seen with Apple and like the shadow dancers and the colors when they introduced the colored Max. Gap had popular celebrities. Now, again, some of them were more popular than others like George Hamilton and was it Charo? Um, George Clooney. They had people that you're like, why is he doing this commercial? So they've been in an uphill battle recently, though. 
for 20 years. It's not just recently. It's for 20 years as malls kind of lost their luster. When I was a teenager, parents would drop us off at a mall and we'd go cruise the mall. We'd go motoring to quote Night Ranger. Motoring. Um, motoring, just so you know, it's kind of an East Coast, Coast thing. You get in your car. You drive down the strip of the city that you live in and you whistle at girls. And that's what motoring is. And if one of them caught your eye or she, you caught her eye, then like maybe you'd go for a date or something. I know you're saying, did I, I grow up in the 1950s? No, no, that was a thing, but I never participated in it. Gap was started by Doris and Don Fisher in San Francisco in 1969. The reason for starting the store was simple. Don couldn't find a pair of jeans that fit him correctly. I've met Don Fisher. He's an amazing, amazing giver to the arts community in the Bay Area. The Fishers raised more than $60,000 to open up their own store on Ocean Avenue. Uh, the, the name Gap is a reference to the generation Gap. The first Gap store sold primary Levi's and records. It was a record store, which had super big changing rooms, which did well for people like me who wanted a little bit more room in the changing room. But it really wasn't until they picked up a, uh, an executive to help with their fashion called Mickey Drexler, which is interesting because his name's Millard, but he's known as Mickey. And he's genius. He's one of those guys who only wears a black mock turtleneck, a leather jacket, a white T-shirt, and jeans. And that's it. And you go, huh. He's an amazing CEO, Drexler. He's what made Gap Gap, in my opinion. It's never been the same since he left. I'm Rob Black. <laughs>